Hey now, welcome to Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or digital. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next, so you have enough time to watch it. If you enjoy Random Movie Club, you can help keep it going by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get special benefits like bonus episodes, patron-only events, giveaways, and more. Show your support for Random Movie Club and the Geek Generation by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. On this episode, I'll be discussing Dead Poets Society with Pumpkinberry. Let's roll the film. Dead Poets Society was released in 1989 from director Peter Weir. Written by Tom Shulman, the film stars Robin Williams, Robert Sean Leonard, and Ethan Hawke. Okay, so we're talking about Dead Poets Society. Yes. PB. Yes. Why did you choose this movie? I mean, I didn't really choose it so much as it chose yeah. me. <laughs> um, it came up in conversation. So Rob is over at my house. I don't know what order they might be listening to this. I movie. have no idea either, honestly. Okay, we don't know. So we've been... So Rob is currently in my apartment right now. Like, I'm looking him in the eyeballs. He is at my apartment. He's been visiting for a couple of days, and we have been in a podcasting haze. Yes, this is like number four. Yeah, this is... Yep, episode number four of things that we have recorded together, and it's great. You know, some people get together and do drugs. Rob and I record podcast episodes. Same thing. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Same thing. So anyway, it came up in conversation. We were talking about Robin Williams because I wanted to do Robin Williams for my IMD babble. Yes. And then it came up that... Rob had never seen Dead Poets Society. And I said, I've never seen it either. And then we went, it's only 10 at night. Let's watch a two hour long movie. (laughs) I realized how tired I was while we were watching the movie, but we made it. Yeah, we made it. And then it was 1 a.m. when we finished. It was great. It was great. Yeah. So catching up on some of the classics, as it were. Uh, And we just both decided that it was a great movie to discuss. We had had a lot to say immediately after watching it. Um, so as I always do, I go to IMDb and gather a whole bunch of trivia for the movie. It. Hit me with the trivia. For Dead Poets Society, the first thing here is that Tom Shulman's script was partly based on his own experiences at Montgomery Bell Academy, an all-boys preparatory school he attended in Nashville, Tennessee, and his professor there, Samuel F. Pickering, really? Jr. I didn't know that. That kind yeah. of changes some things for me. Does it? A little. I mean, I don't know how much of it was basically yeah. to say partly based. Yeah. So Okay. It's, Interesting. It might not have been a, as tragic an experience as yeah. the movie ended yeah. up being. Uh, the part of John Keating was once intended for Dustin Hoffman. The film was also going to be Hoffman's directorial debut oh my. before Hoffman withdrew from the film. I wonder why. They never say why. They don't, do they? They never do. No. Wait, when did this release again? 1989. So this is before Hook, before they yes. were in Hook together. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't even yep. consider that. Yep. <laughs> Everything's been Hook for you today. I know. <laughs> uh, what attracted Robin Williams to the role of John Keating more than anything else was that John Keating was the type of teacher he, in his school days, always wished he had. Oh. That's nice. That is very nice. That's super sweet. 
Originally, Professor Keating was supposed to die of leukemia, but director Peter yeah, Weir decided this. to have the story focus on the boys instead. Interesting. A good choice. Yeah, I think it was a good choice yeah, as well. Yep. Yeah, I think it was a sure. good choice. The scene where Todd cries outside in the snow was originally an interior scene, but when it started to snow, Peter Weir thought the scene might have more impact if it were done outside. The snow was already beginning to let up, so it had to be done in one take. Fortunately, Ethan Hawke pulled it off. Yeah, I think he did. That too. was an emotional that was very, scene. Yeah, that was a very good scene. And how do you choreograph like that stumbling around that he did? Like he was sliding he, on that the was snow. Real. I think he was slipping. I think he was slipping. Yeah. And he just like let it go. He just mm-hmm. stayed in character the whole time. Yeah. Which I don't know how old he was in this movie. Probably but 16 or 17. It couldn't have been older than that. Really, really great for it. how old he was. They were all... Well, I shouldn't say they were all incredible because there were. You remember those lines? We, I think we looked at each other and we're like, "What is this?" There was some cornballing weird stuff at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, there were some really weird lines that they cheesed. But um, okay, my laptop died. I'm sorry. Uh, Neil's death is foreshadowed early in the film. So you had mentioned yes, after we watched that that you thought it came early based on certain lines of dialogue yeah. and stuff. Did they say where? Uh, the camera is on him when Keating tells the class that they will each one day, quote, turn cold, stop breathing, and die. Wow. So it like just That's points at him they while yeah. they're saying okay. that. Yeah, that, that, was, that was their way of foreshadowing. Although, yeah. like the line you say makes sense. Yeah. That absolutely. Yeah. Uh, director Peter Weir chose to shoot the film in chronological order to better capture the development of the relationships between the boys and their growing respect for Mr. Keating. Was he intending on not doing it in chronological order? Most movies are not filmed in chronological order. Oh, sorry. For some reason, I didn't realize you said filmed. I oh, thought okay. like they just put it in the okay. film. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes, through the editing process. Y- yeah, or yeah, I thought maybe they were going to tell it out of order, yeah. which is weird. Some This is only that, the yeah. second movie we've talked about on the show at all that was filmed in the actual chronological order. Which of other the movie. one was filmed in chronological uh, order? The other one was Unbreakable. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you're right. Most aren't filmed in chronological yeah. order. It's smart of them to capitalize on that. I like it when, I mean, it's not always necessary because acting is acting. Yeah. But when a director takes like extra measures to just enhance well, the realism. Well, they're young boys too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they're young actors. They're so not probably as experienced. was like, uh, yeah, sure. we don't know if we can trust them to pull it off. Sorry, boys. I'm sure you could have, but. <laughs> uh, following this line of reasoning, after shooting the scene in which Neil kills himself, Peter Weir kept Robert Sean Leonard off the set and didn't let him communicate with the other actors in order to create a real sense of losing a friend. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like you died in the movie and now you're gone, gone. until yeah, everybody's done. So we're done. Wow. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Robin Williams considered this movie one of his favorite films he did, and Peter Weir the best director he had ever worked with. Really? I found that interesting, too. That is very interesting. A little surprising. And very surprising. But if it allowed him to do something that he kind of wished for in his own life, then I kind of get it. Yeah, I don't. No? (laughs) No. I I mean, I guess I sort of do, but I feel like he did that in so many other films like goodwill hunting That's he does true. that so much better in goodwill hunting That's in my true. opinion he kind of does like you your life transformer in that film and this one i feel like yeah we'll talk about that in a minute yeah but you're yeah. not wrong you're yeah. not wrong uh lastly at mm-hmm. the premiere kurtwood smith saw a family with the father domineering his son very much like his own character in the film after the film, Smith noticed the family leaving and saw that the father was crying. Um, 
So somebody got the message. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's intense. What an experience to have. Yeah, no kidding. Especially to watch to watch on the film that you worked on. Yeah. Someone have that reaction. Side note, I know that Kurtwood Smith often plays like dicks. Yeah. I love that man. Yeah. Well, I mean, they some of people who get typecast like that, yeah. it's just because they're really good at doing that. And then He's eventually such a good him. actor. Have you had a chance to interview him? I've not. Oh, I've not. I, I mean, I've nice. seen him give some interviews mm. and he seems like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. But. Never had the opportunity. No, himself. unfortunately. Mm. No. Mm. But he seems great. Yeah. Seems great. Uh, so let's talk about the movie itself. Yes. Okay. Uh, the first thing I have here is mm. the question of this was rated PG. Yes. Which is shocking. Yeah. That 1989. Me a bit. I mm-hmm. thought it's it's crazy that things have gotten more strict rating wise. Well, if you think about PG, parental guidance. Yes. I agree with that. There wasn't really anything that I felt like, I mean, other than the suicide. Yeah. And they don't show it. They. They purposely don't show a gruesome body or anything like that. So I think it's the combination of several things that surprises me that it's PG and not at least PG thirteen. Yeah, like I, guess, I don't yes. know if I would have a movie with suicide for a kid under thirteen. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now the film yeah. would be rated at least PG thirteen. Yeah, at least. There's that. I think we're a little more harsh now about movies that have smoking. Yeah, that's true. And kids smoking. Yeah, kids on top smoking, of that. Yeah, and. Nudity. There was that weird. There was poster. the centerfold. Yeah, that was even though that, it's only shown for a yeah. few seconds. There was that nude centerfold, and then there was also that weird party where he like kind of like. And there was drinking. Took advantage. Yeah, yeah, that was. A bit I, weird. I, I'm shocked that this is PG just yeah. based on that stuff alone. Well, it was the 80s. Like, I mean, I don't personally care. Yeah, but, but it is interesting. It seems like the standards have changed yeah. so much. Well, yeah, we've gotten a little bit harsher on that stuff, I think. Everybody's butt cheeks are a little tighter. Yep, yep, clench, <laughs> clench. And kind of going through the the characters instead of the plot like we normally do. Yeah, because I think this is a good move. It's kind of the, the better way, yeah. Um, yeah. To talk about John Keating first. Okay, really, first. Unless we want to go opposite from like, smaller characters to bigger yeah, characters yeah let's you want to end that. with the yeah, big yeah, stuff yeah, we can yeah, do that yeah yeah okay so i guess the first one then would be richard cameron okay. uh he was the redhead that had the weird turn at the end and that was kind of like his most prominent thing in the movie i thought yeah yeah it was the only memorable thing he did other than fix his hair for five minutes yeah. in that one scene <laughs> i did feel like his i did feel like his turn at the end was a little bit strange but i feel like they presented it in a way in which every moment before then he was swayed by Neil. And when Neil was no longer there. Interesting. I think the only person that could sway him was probably the teachers. Okay. Yeah. Because bef- before that it was always Neil kind of being like, come on, you can do it. You so he was it, just kind it. of clay. I feel like he was clay. And also what would you do at that point? I guess you're pretty angry. Yeah. Their friend died and. He might not have. He just wanted to blame somebody yeah. and they were giving him a scapegoat. Yep, they were giving him one on a silver Okay, bladder. I guess that makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. Because it did feel very strange that it he did. was just part of the Dead Poet Society the entire time. There and then were, all of a sudden. There were a couple of things in that film that I felt like were just put in to move the plot along. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah. That was probably also one of them. I'm defending it a little bit. Like I can kind of see it, but also I can totally see that they yeah. just did it to 
make it move along. So totally either one works. Uh, Charlie Dalton yeah. was played by Gail Hansen. Uh, Nuanda. I fucking loved him. He was a great character. He was one of my favorite characters. And I looked up his credits because yeah. we had the question. Right, we were like, watching it. Yeah, uh, right. Everyone else had pictures of like their older selves mm-hmm. acting. And his was only the picture from this yeah. movie. This is one of like nine credits for him. Really? He really didn't have like a long acting career. But he was one of the better kid he actors in this movie. He was one of the better actors for sure. Like I feel like he perform- outperformed Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. I really do. So I was I was shocked that he was in the part that he was in. And it, did he do anything else memorable after this? or Aside from the Nuwanda thing? Yeah. I mean, he's the one that initially stirred up the trouble. He brought the no, girls in. No, I mean, in. like oh, the, the actor. His, the his actor. N- not that Nothing. I saw. This seemed like the most prominent role wow. of his That's career. That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow, he was so good. Okay, so, yeah, no, his, I felt like his character was actually the most representative of the carpe diem, of yes. what Keating was trying to. He was the to. wild card kid. Yeah, and it wasn't even just that he was the wild card, but... But he was really trying to find out what it was, what it meant to live life to the fullest mm-hmm. and do what you want and riding that fine line between just being chaotic and seizing the day. And, you know, no, because he does that thing where he does the phone call to, from God or whatever. Right. And Keating comes in and is like, no, I don't want you to get expelled because that would be stupid. And his response after that, his like body language after that, that moment where he's like, okay. And he's learning. He, he like, was takes testing it in. the boundaries yeah. to see where they were. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then he's like, okay, I'm learning. I'm taking that in. I'm not just being rebellious to rebel. I'm trying to figure out what it means to live life to the fullest. That part I actually liked quite a bit because I feel like a lot of movies, they would have kept the character just too extreme yeah and he never would have learned anything yeah and that other moment that they had where they were doing the marching and he's like what are you doing and he says i'm you know exercising my right not to march Mm -hmm. and he was like thank you for demonstrating the point like you got it you know you're you're on track you know but i think that that was also really important in demonstrating that they were trying to follow keating's instruction yes so without that the rest of it being like, this is Keating's bidding and all that. It doesn't hold up. True. Not that it holds up very so much. So even right though now, he anyway. was exhibiting his right to have like his will. Yeah. He he's was still following directions and he's yeah. still, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 absolutely. So it's, that's the thing. Like it's a movie about free will and in, and like enhancing free your free will yeah, and free, free thinkers. thinkers yeah. And yet they're, are they really? Yeah, exactly. Because they're still following someone else now that is what i wish that the film had explored more that's the more interesting concept yeah Yeah. absolutely like like did you want to see something where we got to a point where keating was like okay now do this and this thing that he's suggesting is a bit too far where the boys are going wait a minute we followed you this far but this is too much i would have loved that actually yeah and i would have loved even more if that had been keating's plan just to see how far they would go and then be like no i don't want you like guinea pigs yeah or or even just as a to prove a point to ask them to do something uncomfortable and then when they stand up he's like i have nothing more to teach you now like that is exactly that's what kind I of wanted. brilliant actually yeah like i i that's i wanted you to free think and even me you know you care about me and you want to impress me or whatever but i don't want that i want you to think for yourself and make right. your own choices right so teach them free will to the point where they're free of him yes. as well yes i would have much preferred that i actually really happened. like that idea yeah yeah um, I would have also even preferred, it, even if they wanted to keep it the way that they did, I would have much preferred to see some sort of 
discussion on how, yes, he wanted free thinking. And we talked a little bit about this earlier today, but I really, the the time in which the show takes place is the fifties is super restrictive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like watching it now, we can look at that and get really upset about his dad, you know, overlording on to Neil and being restrictive to him and we blame him. And then Mm -hmm. Neil, you know, kills himself. He commits suicide and we get mad at the dad and we're like, well, obviously it's not Mr. Keating's fault, but in the time period at which it takes place, no one rebelled against their parents. It was the norm. Like what they're showing was normal for them. So for the only different thing, like Neil was fine up until Keating came in and introduced the idea that he could do whatever he wanted with his life. And then Neil, gets these ideas in his head and then can't handle not being able to do whatever he wants. Right. And so then he kills himself. So I feel like I would have liked to see more than the one scene they gave us with Robin Williams crying, Mr. Keating crying. I wanted to see that moment of realization of like, you did do this. Like you didn't pull the trigger, mm-hmm. but you introduced ideas into young impressionable boys that see, I got that a little bit from his crying scene. Yeah, I, I did too, but that. I wanted more of sure. that. I okay. wanted more of the statement of saying this is like conformity and what breaking away conformity does to people. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at Korea, for example, yeah, yeah. when people break away from that conformity, it can destroy people. True. So I just thought that that, I thought that that was an interesting commentary on like our society in the fifties and kind of like what we were like. And, and I wish they had done more of that. And that, that end scene as satisfying as it could have been, yeah, wasn't executed as well as I thought it could have been. And also if you just leave that part out, then we can talk more about what was so disturbing about this conforming society in the fifties mm. that we had, you know, now that you now. say that I, I almost wish that the end scene stayed as is, but instead of him just coming in and grabbing the scarf and yeah. doing something pseudo manipulative, yeah, like it, was, said yeah before, it was pretty manipulative. If he had come in, started to leave, walked back to the front of the classroom and interrupted the lesson straight on and had the other guy be like, no, you can't go and be like, no, I have to. And be like using that as a teachable moment to then be like, I should have known my place in this. I should have been more responsible and say that yes, free will is important, but you have to take responsibility for the actions that you use within your free will. Yeah. Then he could have made his exit and Absolutely. had the O captain, my yeah, captain. Yeah, I would have. Moment. Yes, yes, I agree with that. Because that would have resolved a little more of the individual pieces. Yeah. And it's funny because I never pegged myself for a pessimist. Mm-hmm. So that opening scene that he has with that other professor where he's like, I didn't peg you for a pessimist. And he's yes. like, I'm a realist. And he says that line. That line is one of the most important lines in the film, I think. Absolutely. Because. That's what I thought the message that they were trying to get across. Like, I thought that that's what they were saying, you know, like ideas of freedom can be dangerous in this type of society. Not Mm -hmm. that I'm saying that he shouldn't have introduced free thought. I just think we need to look at what that will do to people when they are sort of indoctrined into doing what they have to do to do what, you know, and then it's like. The thought was you finish school, then you can do whatever else you Mm -hmm. want with your life. You do what your parents want up until a point and then you're free and you can do whatever. And the way they had set it up with Neil, I didn't believe that he wanted to get into acting. 
Like when he finally was like, all I've ever wanted to do is act. I'm like, this is the first we're fucking hearing. Meanwhile, the first thing we heard about him that he was passionate about was the paper. Was the paper. So I feel like as a parent, I would also be like, you don't know what you want. So I I empathize with the 50s father parent figure who sacrificed everything for his son to go to school and have opportunity. Like I empathize slightly with that. I Mm -hmm. realize that that's not how parenting would be now, but I I realize that that's that's what a loving parent would have done back then. You know, like I, I get it. I don't think it's right. And obviously I understand how difficult it was for Neil, but that line that he says when he's like, that's another 10 years, that's a lifetime. I mm-hmm. wish that they had spent more time in that moment because that was the moment where I was like, he said, it's 10 years, it's a lifetime. And he felt like it was a prison he sentence. He felt like, it, yeah, and that's him. And then his dad says that. He's like, it's not a prison sentence. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? And then he just says nothing after that. And then he sits down and I, and that's the moment defeated. I knew. Yep, defeated. And yeah. I was like, he's gonna, he's, that's it. He's going to kill himself. There was a few things that I read about the movie and there was one idea that came up in a few different articles about like Mr. Keating being a bad teacher in the sense that he was pushing this thought of free will and it was the only thought he was pushing. Like he had them tear out parts of the textbook, which seems like a great act of defiance and to think differently and not conform to this system for judging poetry which is yeah. a silly system it was a silly it's system. ridiculous it was absurd so i i support that part but he's also only bringing in poetry that supports his line of thinking yeah and not all poetry necessarily maybe he was going to get to that stuff yeah, eventually maybe he did and we didn't see it right but-, but what they showed us was only stuff that supported this like free will idea and this rebellious yeah. idea yeah I think what he didn't realize that he was doing by supporting these free thinkers was creating like a mini cult of people who wanted mm-hmm. to support Keating. It and even had a name. It did. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, while it gave them good memories and whatnot, nobody really decided to think for themselves except for maybe the Ethan Hawke's character mm-hmm. and Neil. But I feel like Neil, the tragedy of Neil is that he couldn't communicate properly with his dad. Mm -hmm. And that is why he killed himself. It wasn't because he wanted to be an actor, um, which I feel like can get confusing. I think that in that moment when his dad says, then what just like (laughs) he asks him. Meanwhile, rewind to the scene with Mr. Keating and Neil, where he's like, have you told your dad this? Just tell him, no, I know what the response would be. I know what it would be, but you need to tell him these things. Mm -hmm. Okay. I will. And then I think in that moment for him to be asked directly, well, then just tell me, what what are you feeling? Yeah. Tell me. That's why I was so surprised that he didn't. Yeah. Because when he sat down with Mr. Keating and he was like, well, you're talking to me like this. Yeah. And I'm an adult. Yeah. And then why can't he you was tell like, your dad? He was yeah. like, yeah, like, well, you're not my dad. And yeah. We have a different relationship. It's like, but you could have you that could. relationship with your dad. Or just try, like, yeah, try. Or just tell him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And they didn't push that enough in that conversation either. Like, they yeah. started that yeah. idea, but they didn't go far enough with yeah. it. Yeah. And I think it was, it was also super interesting that when his dad asked, it was like he already knew what the response was. And he just had that defeated moment. Like, I nothing. I don't feel anything. And I'm sit down and it's fine, dad, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um... That to me was probably one of the more tragic moments is yeah. that scene, that that moment there where, and then of course, obviously the scene that follows after is pretty horrific. Oh yeah. 
and the lighting change. Can we just talk about all of that? Yeah, Everything I mean, was we even talked so about, beautiful about that scene. It was Neil that walked down the staircase. Yes. And, and we were like, this looks like a horror way. movie. Yep. Because mm-hmm. what happened was he said that line and I thought to myself, oh, he's going to he's going to kill himself. But I didn't mm-hmm. say anything out loud because I, you know, I just didn't. And then what happened? He got up. What did they show? Did they show the slippers, his dad's slippers in that scene? When he was after yes. the shot? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he puts his this slippers is, yeah. on first. Um, but that's not him. That's that, that's his dad taking his slippers yes. off, right? Yep. And they show how meticulously his dad lines yes. up the slippers. And yep. then they immediately cut to Neil looking at his pajamas completely meticulously folded. And mm-hmm. I knew instantly. I was like, oh, no, this is this. And then I said it out loud to you. I said yeah. it out loud to Rob. I was like, this is he's going to kill himself. And then... Yeah, everything about the scene, the music, the lighting was darker and all the angles were like from down below, mm-hmm. up above. And it was just, oh my God, it was really well done. And we were just looking for all the signs as they slowly got revealed, yeah. like yeah. him pulling out the gun. We we're like, oh no, that's not, oh my God, it is. Yeah, yeah. And then the the second floor window, because initially we thought he was going to jump out the window because right. he slowly opens the window for the fresh air, puts on, oh, he puts on the puck, puck crown and the breathes one thing in I was, and just like, takes in that moment before he the one thing i was surprised about is that he didn't do it while still wearing the puck crown to like because that wasn't him oh yeah no because that because he didn't do it in a moment in an act of vindictiveness towards his father true he did it in an act of i can't get out of the prison that i'm in true i also thought that puck was a conscious choice though as like this this free-willed kind of spirit of chaos yeah and that he was kind of portraying that and like well, I'm going to do this ultimate act of free will. Yeah, but I, it, to me, it felt like he put the crown of for Puck on, breathed it in, and he was happy in that moment. And then and put it away. Put it away, yeah. That makes Just sense. like he had his entire life, pretty much. And then was like, then took the way out. Oof. Yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine him wanting to get blood on the crown, you know? Like it was... That's yeah. actually true. Yeah. Yeah. Is that dark that I can I think like that? You're cringing at me right now. You're looking at me like, oh. You're not wrong, though. That's the thing. That's the Um, thing. Yeah, so. Uh, One of the other characters we haven't talked about yet, Mm. because we've kind of hit on a lot of them individually, uh, is Knox Overstreet, who we both had a huge problem with his storyline. Which is a shame, because I like Josh Charles, the actor. Sorry, Josh. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, this is not his fault whatsoever. It's not your fault. You were a great actor, but I'm sorry. His storyline was absolutely terrible. You cannot love a girl when you see her for five minutes. You have no idea. She even says that in the fucking film. You Mm -hmm. don't know me. And he's like... I love you. <laughs> yeah, it was that idea. That, but you don't know who I am. Of like the 80s slash 90s high school movie where yeah. the guy sees the girl, the girl's a trophy. Yep. And he ignores everything and she's else. with somebody else right, and he right. has to like win her over. And But in this yeah. like the guys, he says the guy's a jerk, but the guy doesn't do anything yeah, that's no, jerk. Yeah, no, we don't like, And even if him he up is at a the jerk, party, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Like, she's it doesn't. not with you. <laughs> she's with somebody else and she tells you no. Yeah. So Back off. <laughs> like Knox getting beat up at the party yeah. was justified. Totally. Like, he kissed her while she was sleeping. You so psycho. So creepy. Sorry, but yeah. Like um, it's one thing to pine for a girl and yeah. guys do have, especially around that age, do have like these weird expectations that are created by movies yeah, like thank this. Yeah, you movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's how they're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, that's how they're supposed to go after. They're supposed to go after, you know, almost viciously or rapidly. You and know, go like with I keep all going. these grand gestures. Yep, and, you know. 
things that they don't ask for because they don't think they don't realize that they love me yet. Yeah. You know, like I have to do this to win them over. So that was just a little bit bothersome. And then it was the it was the kiss scene that yeah, was that like you both sent it you way over out. the you top. Like, this is so fucked up. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. So bad. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really bad. But you know what? Even if I would have been somewhat okay or willing to let that all go if it had ended where he walks in the hallway and is like, I don't care what she said. Cause he says that he's he like, she didn't say anything. What? She didn't say anything at all. When you read her this like crazy love poem. No, she didn't. And I don't care. I di- I just know that I did it. Like I did what I was passionate and about. Yeah. You mentioned that. And, and you if were like, it had okay, just ended there, his, fine. But yep. then it doesn't. Like I think he ends up winning. He takes her to the fucking play, and they Wins hold hands. Over. And it's so weird. It's so weird. That doesn't happen in real life. It does not. <laughs> That's not real life. Also, she's a person with thoughts and feelings. Show us that, you know. Like, yeah, it was just, it was just weird. Yeah, um, the whole storyline could have gone. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Completely. It, I mean, I know that they wanted love and passion and whatnot, but I just, I don't know. It just felt like it it was one of those, one of those parts that felt yeah. just thrown in. Like, it was oh, the we gotta idea, have... it supported Keaton's whole argument of, oh, we do this to woo yeah. women. Yes. Yeah. Which he took in a twisted, weird way. Cause yeah. that is not wooing yeah, women. Yeah. No, it's really not. And even cause they do that scene with, with, uh, what was the Wanda? Wanda. Nwanda. Nwanda. Yeah, yeah, they do that scene with Nwanda where he brings in the girls and like woos them with poetry. That's the way they to do it. They like he invited them over. In. Yeah. And... and they were, oh, that poetry is so good. Yeah, you know, yeah. even that was stronger than that weird love story that they kind of threw in. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I was just not a fan of that. I no. would have appreciated more time with Ethan Hawke's character or even Neil yeah. over that. Yeah. Even though he was one of the main characters and we didn't get to spend that much time with him. Yeah, Ethan. Yeah. I, I think one of the coolest scenes in the film actually is when he is in that room and you see like four or five different papers crumpled up around him yeah. and he's writing this poem and you know he's working really hard and then the very next day he's like, I didn't write one. Oh, come on. Yeah. That was so touching because I, yeah, that says so much. They oh, It bothers me because the film did so much Right. Yeah. But then they fucked up, in my opinion, in, a lot of in other some stuff. ways. Yeah. Absolutely. In some other ways, they left me wanting. So that that's t- told so much about that character in two minutes of film time. So. I thought they were going to get into an area of like dyslexia or some yeah, trouble with reading. You mentioned reading. that while we were watching it. Because he kept avoiding it. not just reading in front of people, but just reading. Yeah. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Reading out, and we t- we commented on how bad was it him that his handwriting yeah, was so his bad. His handwriting was terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I thought that kind of supported that. I thought Good it was Lord. intentional. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was. Maybe it was like written into the backstory or something, or he had it in his head for that. I'm not sure, but I did like the scene where he gave him his voice, where he showed him that he had a voice. Best I, scene in the movie. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Where he like puts his hands over his eyes and spins them around and is like, no, just go with it. Just go. Like you said something, just spitball it. You don't have to write it beforehand. Write it now. That was so great. That was really good. And then when he was like, remember this moment, like that was very cool too. Best scene in the movie. Yeah, that was really good too. Better than the O Captain, My Captain. I know that's the iconic part of this movie. Everybody says that and that it crushes their hearts. You know what? Okay. Now that we're talking about O Captain, My Captain, I just have to say... That is totally destroyed 
by the opening scene where he says, you can call me Mr. Keating or you can call me Captain. Mm-hmm. Who gives themselves that name? Yeah. Who gives themselves that title? Only a narcissist. I'm sorry, but that's insane. It takes away the power of them saying, oh, Captain, my Captain. Like if it had been a scene where he read, oh, Captain, my Captain, and was like, this is, I'm so passionate about this because mm-hmm. of this reason. And then at the end, they're like, oh, Captain, my Captain. It would have meant so much more than him trying to force them to call him Captain. Yeah. It's just like conforming. <laughs> And that's another argument against the movie is he's not just teaching them free will. He's teaching them narcissism. He's saying that what you want is more important than anything else. Don't worry about the people around you. Yeah. Go after your things. Yeah. 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 So is that, is he teaching them indirect narcissism? Yeah. And now it's just. Selfishness. Yeah. mm -hmm. And I mean, it's not selfish to, so this is, I guess, I, I just really wish there had been more of this. Like, is it, because it came out in late 80s, mm-hmm. about the 50s, I thought it could have been more talking about why we want to do change things. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like films can do so much when they talk about the past and say, we don't want to do it this way anymore. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to live restrictively like this. We don't want to push our kids into one direction yeah. and just mindlessly do things. So show us that. Show us why it was bad or and show us what supposedly free thought did in that kind of situation. I really wish there had been more Give us an excuse yeah. more mm-hmm. than just carpe diem. Carpe yeah. diem is great. Yeah, carpe diem is awesome great. Awesome yeah. awesome idea, but why? Yeah, and also just show us the balance, or don't. You don't have to show us the balance between going after your own things that you want in life and making your parents happy or, you know, whatever. That's just something I'm personally interested in. How do you find the balance between what you want to pursue and, you know, maybe other people in your life or, cause there's this whole movement now that's like, do what you want, satisfy your needs and all that. And that's kind of like really big right now. But what they don't talk about is like at what cost, you know, to everybody around you and, and things like that. And, yeah, I just find that interesting. I just thought that that was a very interesting take on the 50s. Um, and I think I, met, I I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about it. I'm trying to make sure I mention all the things I mentioned I before when we weren't recording. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, is my my grandfather grew up in that era. And I just he was very closed off and very reserved. I never once ever did not know that he loved me with all of his heart. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he ever like he was like Neil's dad. Yeah. Very closed off. Um, you know, didn't talk to me about his time in the war, even though I, you know, asked and wanted him to be able to open up to me. And that may sound insensitive, but the reason I say that is because the first time I brought my husband home to like meet and hang out and uh, meet my grandparents, he wasn't my husband yet, but I walked by and I heard him talking to my husband right. about these things. And I was like, oh man. I just, I have always wanted to talk to him about this and thank him for his service and just say, like, I know you couldn't come and visit us in Japan because we grew up in Japan. Mm -hmm. I know you couldn't come back to Okinawa because you were here. Yeah. And he couldn't come back. He could never, he never came to visit us. Oh, wow. And I just wanted to tell him that I know that and I forgave him for that. But Mm -hmm. he just never, it never came up, you know, and I never brought it up and I don't have any regrets. Like, I know he knows I loved him and I know he he loved me, but Mm -hmm. it's just like, That was, I was like watching that era, that time period, like before me in this film, they just didn't do that. It just wasn't 
something that they did. So I would have explored like why and yeah, I just would have loved more of that. Anyway, Mm. who's next? Uh, We haven't talked a ton about Todd Anderson, which is Ethan Hawke's character. Which and he's an interesting one because he is supposed to be like one of the main characters. Yeah, uh, he's affected a lot by Neil's and death, he does but... make that last stand. But see, mm, can we talk about the last totally. stand a little bit? Absolutely. So I know we talked about this earlier, but in the last stand, it's like they basically throw him under the bus. They sign mm-hmm. this thing, or I guess it's left ambiguous as to whether or not Ethan signed it. Or his character did. But oh, right. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he did. Yeah, because he does apologize. Yes, you're right. He, he does apologize. He's like, they, they made us do yeah, it. Yeah, they made us do it. But they didn't. No. They didn't. So they didn't exhibit their free will. No, they didn't. They conformed. And they And I think that's why they do the, oh, captain, my captain. They're like, we failed you. Yeah. Because we didn't, we didn't take the lessons you taught us in or the final they? test. Or did they? By signing? Yeah. See, I don't think they would have done the final stand then in that case because they did it and then they realize after how yeah, bad but it what was. If, yeah, I agree with you there. But wouldn't it be interesting, just an interesting thought, yeah. if because he does say, I don't want you leaving school. That's just stupid. Mm-hmm. So what if they are like, they're making their own decision, their free will. I signed it. I realize it wasn't your fault, but like... So what if the I'm sorry means I'm sorry I thought of myself instead of you? No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the I'm sorry is you didn't deserve this. Yeah. Yeah, but they gave us an out, I guess. I don't know. I don't know which I like better. Yeah. But it's an interesting thought. Oh but it God. did it did lack some impact. Yeah, it did. I totally agree. Because that's an iconic movie scene. Yeah, and everybody talks about it and maybe it's because everybody's talked about it and it's been built up so much that we didn't enjoy it as much as we did, mm. but I don't know. I just felt like And it's a weird end. It's a super weird I, end. It felt like it ended kind of abruptly. Yeah, he leaves the classroom and that's it. Like that's it. I don't even need closure a lot in films. I like it when they leave things ambiguous, but this was just like what it felt like, what it honestly felt like was they had this, they blamed him for what happened to Neil. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, but we can't just have him like get fired. We have to have right. something happen. We have right. to have some sort of final act of defiance or farewell. And that was it. And he was like, thank you, boys, is what he said at the end. And it, yeah. That's just. Is that enough? Yeah, I don't, I don't like, know. Like it just doesn't feel like know. enough. Yeah. Like, like, sure. They're saying, okay, we're still on your side, but you got to go. Yeah, but it, it, even when that final scene and they were all just standing up one after another, we just looked at each other and we're like, they're still just sheep. They're still just doing what the other person right. is doing to do it. I think the in that final stand scene, the only one that I was shocked was the guy who wrote the cat poem. Oh, he yeah. He wrote the cat yeah. poem for like a second and then he even stood up and was like, well. Now, there was another piece of trivia that said initially... Cameron, who is the the redhead, yeah, was supposed to stand on his desk as well. And that actor, even as a kid, was like, told the director, "I don't think he would do that." Yeah, based on what he's what done. He's done. And the director was like, "You know what? You're right. You're right. Yeah. Wow." So he doesn't end up standing, even though he was part of the society, uh, because he was the first one to kind of turn. Yeah, turn his back. But on I think it. I think the point of that scene wasn't as much for the group as it was for Todd. Because yeah, to he's, stand up. 
he's the one that's been sheepish and hiding and afraid to step forward the whole time. And he's the one that starts it. I feel like it would have been almost more powerful if he was the only one that did it. And no one else and did. nobody else did Interesting. It. And he just said, thank you and left. And said something like, I won't forget. Yeah. To kind of reference that other scene. I won't forget this moment. Yeah. That would have been so good. But yeah, having them all get up and stand up just felt so strange to me. Yeah. Again, totally fixed if he didn't also refer to himself as the captain in the beginning. It would have been way more powerful if he just read a poem that he liked and Mm -hmm. then they called him captain at the end. Yeah, you're right. That would have been great. But alas. So I think kind of our big takeaway then from the movie as a whole is there are a lot of there were some things that could have been left out uh (laughs) there were a lot of great ideas Mm -hmm. that just weren't fully explored yeah i feel that i feel that that's a good for a two-hour movie with a very slow burn Mm -hmm. i feel like they could have done some things differently they could have cut a lot of scenes out and done something so that we could really feel like they were making a statement and maybe they didn't want to make a statement but i feel like a movie about making statements should have made a statement (laughs) (laughs) more of more of one yeah yeah for sure yeah like it's definitely not the classic that it was hyped up to be for all these years in my mind but yeah but i do think there's something there yeah it just wasn't wasn't what we were expecting yeah i think yeah and keating himself was a bit like that that leukemia bit of trivia mm-hmm. is interesting because knowing that they originally had planned that. And he probably acted it that way. He probably acted it that way also. It adds a bit of sadness to it because it's one dying man's attempt at prolonging his life or mm-hmm. like basically a, a fucking battle cry. Like I don't want to die. Carpe diem. I am, I am trying not to die. I, yep. I'm scared. And then because you are trying to it's like that road to hell is paved with good intentions like you had every good intention in the world doing this to these kids but introducing these ideas of you know free thought or you can do whatever you want you can go be an actor in the 50s yeah i'm sorry you would have starved to death unless you got super lucky and also probably taken advantage of and lucky. Like so much had to happen for them to be successful at that time. Like Like he was a super effective inspirational teacher that lacked some responsibility. Yes. Yeah. Take some responsibility, Keating. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That is Dead Poet Society. It was all right. (laughs) It was all right. It was all right. It was all right. It was worthy of discussion. Yes, very worthy of discussion. I really would love, yeah, I love that. So if you haven't seen it yet, and we've just spoiled the whole whole thing for you, (laughs) you should go see it and then write us, tell us your thoughts. I would love to know people's thoughts. Yeah, I would too. I feel like you had some very, like, off the norm ideas about it. And I'm sure people have seen it and have, like, novels of feelings about it i'd love to hear from some people who look at this as the classic that it's intended to be yeah and who love it and just love it do you have an email for that we certainly do yes podcast at the geekgeneration.com yes or they can go to the post uh right on the geekgeneration.com and they can comment below leave your comments we want to see them i want to see them Mm -hmm. i want to see them Tell us your thoughts. (laughs) As we are wrapping things up, PB, uh, Mm -hmm. where can people find you on the internet? Oh, my goodness gracious. I am PB. You can find me at Twitch and Twitter at Pumpkinberry or my website, pumpkinberry.tv. 
I do a lot of different things on the internet. However, one you might be most interested in is I also run a podcast. It is called The Deep Dive, and it's about video games. And we talk, it's kind of like Random Movie Club, actually, but for video games. Fancy that. (laughs) Fancy that. Fancy that. That's it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on yet again. Bye, guys. Random Movie Club is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on the Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. Don't forget, you can support Random Movie Club and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Our theme song is provided by Michael McLeod of Wolfstein Music. A link to his site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Conan the Barbarian. See you then.